0: chapter forty six of dr thorne by anthony trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by nick whitley purley united kingdom chapter forty six our pet fox finds a tail frank returned home and his immediate business was of course with his father and with mr gazebee who was still at greshamsbury but who is the heir asked mr gazebee when frank had explained that the death of sir louis rendered unnecessary any immediate legal steps upon my word i don't know said frank you saw dr thorne said the squire he must have known i never thought of asking him said frank naively mr gazebee looked rather solemn i wonder at that said he FOR EVERYTHING NOW DEPENDS ON THE hands THE PROPERTY WILL GO INTO. LET ME SEE, I THINK SIR ROGER HAD A MARRIED SISTER. WAS NOT THAT SO, MR. GRESHAM? AND THEN IT OCCURRED FOR THE FIRST TIME, BOTH TO THE SQUIRE AND TO HIS SON, THAT MARY THORNE WAS THE ELDEST CHILD OF THIS SISTER, BUT IT NEVER OCCURRED TO EITHER OF THEM that mary could be the baronet's heir dr thorne came down for a couple of days before the fortnight was over to see his patients and then returned again to london but during this short visit he was utterly dumb on the subject of the heir he called at greshamsbury to see lady arabella and was even questioned by the squire on the subject but he obstinately refused to say more than that nothing certain could be known for yet a few days immediately after his return frank saw mary and told her all that had happened i cannot understand my uncle said she almost trembling as she stood close to him in her own drawing-room he usually hates mysteries and yet now he is so mysterious he told me frank that was after i had written that unfortunate letter unfortunate indeed i wonder what you really thought of me when you were writing it if you had heard what your mother said you would not be surprised but after that uncle said said what he seemed to think-i don't remember what it was he said but he said he hoped that things might yet turn out well and then I was almost sorry that I had written the letter. Of course you were sorry, and so you ought to have been, to say that you would never call me Frank again. I didn't exactly say that. I have told him I will wait a fortnight, and so I will. After that I shall take the matter into my own hands. It may be well supposed that Lady Arabella was not well pleased to learn that Frank and Mary had been again together and in the agony of her spirit she did say some ill-natured things before augusta who had now returned from courcy castle as to the gross impropriety of mary's conduct but to frank she said nothing nor was there much said between frank and beatrice if everything could really be settled at the end of that fortnight which was to witness the disclosure of the doctor's mystery there would still be time to arrange that mary should be at the wedding it shall be settled then he said to himself and if it be settled my mother will hardly venture to exclude my affianced bride from the house it was now the beginning of august and it wanted yet a month to the oriel wedding but though he said nothing to his mother or to beatrice he did say much to his father in the first place he showed him mary's letter if your heart be not made of stone it will be softened by that he said mr gresham's heart was not of stone and he did acknowledge that the letter was a very sweet letter but we know how the drop of water hollows stone it was not by the violence of his appeal that frank succeeded in obtaining from his father a sort of half-consent that he would no longer oppose the match but by the assiduity with which the appeal was repeated frank as we have said had more stubbornness of will than his father and so before the fortnight was over the squire had been talked over and promised to attend at the doctor's bidding i suppose you had better take the hazlehurst farm said he to his son with a sigh it joins the park and the home fields and i will give you up them also god knows they don't care about farming any more or about anything else either don't say that father well well but frank where will you live the old house is big enough for us all but how would mary get on with your mother at the end of his fortnight true to his time the doctor returned to the village He was a bad correspondent, and though he had written some short notes to Mary, he had said no word to her about his business. It was late in the evening when he got home, and it was understood by Frank and the squire that they were to be with him on the following morning. Not a word had been said to Lady Arabella on the subject. It was late in the evening when he got home and mary waited for him with a heart almost sick with expectation as soon as the fly had stopped at the little gate she heard his voice and heard at once that it was quick joyful and telling much of inward satisfaction he had a good-natured word for janet and called thomas an old blunderhead in a manner that made bridget laugh outright he'll have his nose put out of joint some day won't he said the doctor bridget blushed and laughed again and made a sign to thomas that he had better look to his face mary was in his arms before he was yet within the door my darling said he tenderly kissing her you are my own darling yet a while of course i am am i not always to be so well well let me have some tea at any rate "'but I'm in a fever of thirst. "'They may call that tea at the junction, if they will, "'but if China were sunk under the sea "'it would make no difference to them. "'Dr. Thorne always was in a fever of thirst "'when he got home from the railway, "'and always made complaint as to the tea at the junction. "'Mary went about her usual work "'with almost more than her usual alacrity, "'and so they were soon seated in the drawing-room together she soon found that his manner was more than ordinarily kind to her and there was moreover something about him which seemed to make him sparkle with contentment but he said no word about frank nor did he make any allusion to the business which had taken him up to town have you got through all your work she said to him once yes yes i think all and thoroughly yes thoroughly i think but i am very tired and so are you too darling with waiting for me oh no i am not said she as she went on continually filling his cup but i am so happy to have you home again you have been away so much lately ah yes well i suppose i shall not go away any more now it will be somebody else's turn now uncle i think you're going to take up writing mystery romances like mrs radcliffe's yes and i'll begin to-morrow certainly with-but uh, mary i will not say another word to-night give me a kiss dearest and i'll go mary did kiss him and he did go but as she was still lingering in the room putting away a book or a reel of thread and then sitting down to think what the morrow would bring forth the doctor again came into the room in his dressing-gown and with the slippers on what not gone yet said he no not yet i'm going now you and i mary have always affected a good deal of indifference as to money and all that sort of thing i won't acknowledge that it has been an affectation at all she answered perhaps not but we have often expressed it have we not i suppose uncle you think that we are like the fox that lost his tail or rather some unfortunate fox that might be born without one i wonder how we should either of us bear it if we found ourselves suddenly rich it would be a great temptation a sore temptation i fear mary that when poor people talk disdainfully of money they often are like your fox born without a tail if nature suddenly should give that beast a tail would he not be prouder of it than all the other foxes in the wood well i suppose he would that's the very meaning of the story but how moral you've become all of a sudden twelve o'clock at night instead of being mrs radcliffe i shall think you're mr aesop he took up the article which he had come to seek and kissing her again on the forehead went away to his bedroom without further speech what can he mean by all this about money said mary to herself it cannot be that by sir Louis's death he will get any of all this property and then she began to bethink herself whether after all she would wish him to be a rich man if he were very rich he might do something to assist frank and then there never was a fox yet without a tail who would not be delighted to find himself suddenly possessed of that appendage never let the untailed fox have been ever so sincere in his advice to his friends we are all of us the good and the bad looking for tails for one tale or for more than one we do so too often by ways that are mean enough but perhaps there is no tale seeker more mean more sneakingly mean than he who looks out to adorn his bare back with a tale by marriage the doctor was up very early the next morning long before mary was ready with her teacups he was up and in his own study behind the shop arranging dingy papers pulling about tin-boxes which he had brought down with him from london and piling on his writing-table one set of documents in one place and one in another i think i understand it all said he but yet i know i shall be bothered well i never will be anybody's trustee again let me see and then he sat down and with bewildered look recapitulated to himself sundry heavy items what those shares are really worth i cannot understand and nobody seems able to tell one they must make it out among them as best they can let me see that's boxall hill and this is greshamsbury i'll put a newspaper over greshamsbury or the squire will know it and then having made his arrangements he went to his breakfast i know i am wrong my much and truly honoured critic about these title deeds and documents but when we've got that barrister in hand then if i go wrong after that let the blame be on my own shoulders or on his the doctor ate his breakfast quickly and did not talk much to his niece but what he did say was of a nature to make her feel strangely happy she could not analyse her own feelings or give a reason for her own confidence but she certainly did feel and even trust that something was going to happen after breakfast which would make her more happy than she had been for many months janet said he looking at his watch if mr gresham and mr frank call Show them into my study. What are you going to do with yourself, my dear? I don't know, uncle. You are so mysterious, and I am in such a Twitter that I don't know what to do. Why is Mr. Gresham coming here? That is the squire. Because I have business with him about the Scatcherd property. You know that he owed Sir Louis money. But don't go out, Mary. I want you to be in the way if I should have to call for you you can stay in the drawing-room can't you oh yes uncle or here no dearest go into the drawing-room mary obediently did as she was bid and there she sat for the next three hours wondering 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 during the greater part of that time however she well knew that mr gresham senior and mr gresham junior were both with her uncle below at eleven o'clock the doctor's visitors came he had expected them somewhat earlier and was beginning to become fidgety he had so much on his hands that he could not sit still for a moment till he had at any rate commenced it the expected footsteps were at last heard on the gravel path, and a moment or two afterwards janet ushered the father and son into the room the squire did not look very well he was worn and sorrowful and rather pale the death of his young creditor might be supposed to have given him some relief from his more pressing cares but the necessity of yielding to frank's wishes had almost more than balanced this when a man has daily to reflect that he is poorer than he was the day before he soon becomes worn and sorrowful but frank was well both in health and spirits he also felt as mary did that the day was to bring forth something which should end his present troubles and he could not but be happy to think that he could now tell dr thorne that his father's consent to his marriage had been given the doctor shook hands with them both and then they sat down they were all rather constrained in their manner and at first it seemed that nothing but little speeches of compliment were to be made At last the squire remarked that Frank had been talking to him about Miss Thorne. "'About Mary?' said the doctor. "'Yes, about Mary,' said the squire, correcting himself. "'It was quite unnecessary that he should use so cold a name as the other, now that he had agreed to the match.' "'Well,' said Dr. Thorne, "'I suppose it must be so, doctor. He has set his heart upon it, and God knows I have nothing to say against her.' against her personally no one could say a word against her she is a sweet good girl excellently brought up and as for myself i have always loved her frank drew near to his father and pressed his hand against the squire's arm by way of giving him in some sort a filial embrace for his kindness thank you squire thank you said the doctor it is very good of you to say that she is a good girl and if frank chooses to take her he will in my estimation have made a good choice chooses said frank with all the enthusiasm of a lover the squire felt himself perhaps a little ruffled at the way in which the doctor received his gracious intimation but he did now show it as he went on they cannot you know doctor look to be rich people ah well well interrupted the doctor i have told frank so and i think that you should tell mary frank means to take some land into his hand and he must farm it as a farmer i will endeavour to give him three or perhaps four hundred a year but you know better stop squire stop a minute we will talk about that presently this death of poor sir louis "'will make a difference.' "'Not permanently,' said the squire mournfully. "'And now, Frank,' said the doctor, not attending to the squire's last words, "'what do you say?' "'What do I say? I say what I said to you in London the other day. I believe Mary loves me. Indeed, I won't be affected. I know she does. I have loved her, I was going to say, always. And, indeed, I almost might say so.' my father knows that this is no light fancy of mine as to what he says about our being poor why the doctor was very arbitrary and would hear neither of them on this subject mr gresham said he interrupting frank of course i am well aware how very little suited mary is by birth to marry your only son it is too late to think about it now said the squire it is not too late for me to justify myself replied the doctor we have long known each other mr gresham and you said here the other day that this is a subject as to which we have been both of one mind birth and blood are very valuable gifts i certainly think so said the squire but one can't have everything no one can't have everything if i am satisfied in that matter began frank stop a moment my dear boy said the doctor as your father says one can't have everything my dear friend and he gave his hand to the squire do not be angry if i alluded for a moment to the estate it has grieved me to see it melting away the old family acres that have so long been the heritage of the greshams we need not talk about that now dr thorne said frank in an almost angry tone but i must frank for one moment to justify myself i could not have excused myself in letting mary think that she could become your wife if i had not hoped that good might come of it well good will come of it said frank did not quite understand at what the doctor was driving i hope so i have had much doubt about this and have been sorely perplexed but now i do hope so frank mr gresham and then dr thorne rose from his chair but was for a moment unable to go on with his tale we will hope that it is all for the best said the squire i am sure it is said frank yes i hope it is i do think it is i am sure it is frank mary will not come to you empty-handed i wish for your sake yes and for hers too that her birth were equal to her fortune as her worth is superior to both mr gresham this marriage will at any rate put an end to your pecuniary embarrassments unless indeed frank should prove a hard creditor my niece is sir roger scatcherd's heir the doctor as soon as he made the announcement began to employ himself sedulously about the papers on the table which in the confusion caused by his own emotion He transferred hither and thither in such a manner as to upset all his previous arrangements. And now, he said, I might as well explain, as well as I can, of what that fortune consists. Here this is—no. But Dr. Thorne, said the squire, now perfectly pale and almost gasping for breath what is it you mean there is not a shadow of doubt said the doctor i've had sir abraham haphazard and sir rickety Giggs, and old neversay die and mr Snylum, and they are all of the same opinion there is not the smallest doubt about it of course she must administer and all that "'and I'm afraid there'll be a very heavy sum to pay for the tax, "'for she cannot inherit as a niece, you know. "'Mr. Snyham pointed that out particularly. "'But after all that there'll be—' "'I've got it down on a piece of paper somewhere, 3 grains of blue pill. "'I'm really so bothered, squire, with all these papers, "'and all those lawyers, "'that I don't know whether I'm sitting or standing.' there's ready money enough to pay all the tax and all the debts i know that at any rate you don't mean to say that mary thorne is now possessed of all sir roger scatcherd's wealth at last ejaculated the squire but that's exactly what i do mean to say said the doctor looking up from his papers with a tear in his eye and a smile on his mouth and what is more squire you owe her at the present moment exactly i've got that down too somewhere only i am so bothered with all these papers come squire when do you mean to pay her she's in a great hurry as young ladies are when they want to get married the doctor was inclined to joke if possible so as to carry off as it were some of the great weight of obligation which it might seem that he was throwing on the father and son but the squire was by no means in a state to understand a joke hardly as yet in a state to comprehend what was so very serious in this matter do you mean that mary is the owner of boxall hill said he indeed i do said the doctor and he was just going to add and of greshamsbury also but he stopped himself what the whole property there that's only a small portion said the doctor i almost wish it were all for then i should not be so bothered look here these are the boxall hill title-deeds that's the simplest part of the whole affair "'and Frank may go and settle himself there to-morrow, if he pleases.' "'Stop a moment, Dr. Thorne,' said Frank. "'These were the only words which he had yet uttered "'since the tidings had been conveyed to him. "'And these, squire, are the Greshamsbury papers.' "'And the doctor, with considerable ceremony, "'withdrew the covering newspapers. "'Look at them. "'There they all are once again.' When I suggested to Mr. Snylum that I supposed they might now all go back to the Greshamsbury Muniment Room, I thought he would have fainted. As I cannot return them to you, you will have to wait till Frank shall give them up.' "'But, Dr. Thorne,' said Frank. "'Well, my boy, does Mary know all about this?' "'Not a word of it. I mean that you shall tell her.' "'Perhaps—' under such very altered circumstances. Eh? The change is so great and so sudden, so immense in its effects, that Mary may perhaps wish— Wish? Wish what? Wish not to be told of it at all? I shall not think of holding her to her engagement. That is, if—I mean to say, she should have time at any rate for consideration. Oh, I understand, said the doctor she shall have time for consideration how much shall we give her squire three minutes go up to her frank she is in the drawing-room frank went to the door and then hesitated and returned "I i could not do it said he i don't think that i understand it all yet i am so bewildered that i could not tell her and he sat down at the table and began to sob with emotion "'And she knows nothing of it?' said the squire. "'Not a word. "'I thought that I would keep the pleasure of telling her for Frank.' "'She should not be left in suspense,' said the squire. "'Come, Frank, go up to her,' again urged the doctor. "'You've been ready enough with your visits "'when you knew that you ought to stay away.' "'I cannot do it,' said Frank, after a pause of some moments nor is it right that i should it would be taking advantage of her go to her yourself doctor it is you that should do it said the squire after some further slight delay the doctor got up and did go upstairs he even was half afraid of the task it must be done he said to himself as his heavy steps mounted the stairs but how to tell it when he entered mary was standing half-way up the room as though she had risen to meet him her face was troubled and her eyes were almost wild the emotion the hopes the fears of that morning had almost been too much for her she had heard the murmuring of the voices in the room below and had known that one of them was that of her lover whether that discussion was to be for her good or ill she did not know but she felt that further suspense would almost kill her i could wait for years she said to herself if i did but know if i lost him i suppose i should bear it if i did but know well she was going to know her uncle met her in the middle of the room his face was serious though not sad too serious to confirm her hopes at that moment of doubt what is it uncle she said taking one of his hands between both of her own what is it tell me and as she looked up into his face with her wild eyes she almost frightened him mary he said gravely you have heard much i know of sir roger scatcherd's great fortune yes 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 now that poor sir louis is dead well uncle well it has been left to frank to mr gresham to the squire exclaimed mary who felt with an agony of doubt that this sudden accession of immense wealth might separate her still further from her lover no mary not to the greshams but to yourself to me she cried and putting both her hands to her forehead she seemed to be holding her temples together to me yes mary It is all your own now. To do as you like best with it all, all. May God in his mercy enable you to bear the burden and lighten for you the temptation. She had so far moved as to find the nearest chair, and there she was now seated, staring at her uncle with fixed eyes. Uncle, she said, what does it mean? Then he came and sitting beside her he explained as best he could the story of her birth and her kinship with the scatcherds and where is he uncle she said why does he not come to me i wanted him to come but he refused they are both there now the father and son shall i fetch them fetch them whom the squire no uncle but may we go to them surely mary but uncle yes dearest is it true are you sure for his sake you know not for my own the squire you know oh uncle i cannot go they shall come to you no no i have gone to him such hundreds of times i will never allow that he shall be sent to me but uncle is it true the doctor as he went downstairs muttered something about sir abraham haphazard and sir rickety giggs but these great names were much thrown away upon poor mary the doctor entered the room first and the heiress followed him with downcast eyes and timid steps she was at first afraid to advance but when she did look up and saw frank standing alone by the window her lover restored her courage, and rushing up to him, she threw herself into his arms. Oh, Frank! my own Frank! my own Frank! we shall never be separated now. End of chapter forty six. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom.